This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, the business station. My name is Rich Bradbury. This is Cruise Control. It's that car show here on BFM. On the phone lines with me, as per usual, it's that man with the news, Mr. Arif Roos. Hi, Arif. Hello, everybody. And somewhere over there in his own little world, it's Daniel Fernandez from DSF.my. Hi, Daniel. Hello from my little world, and good evening to everybody. Right. Uh, what have we got uh, for today, then, Arif? We've got a uh, show in three parts, news, car launches, and car reviews. Is that what we got? Yes, that's what we got. But, Daniel, you spoke to a certain Geely guy last week, right? Oh, yes! There was uh, Nasi Lama on it, and uh, we wondered whether the Geely Starburst was a real car or not. Well, it's a real car, and it will be coming, and we don't know when yet. More to the point, though, <laughs> was those pictures, were they a render or were they actual photographs? Okay, you were right. Yes. They were all a very good rendering. Yes. Brina <laughs> Silma. Right. <laughs> I feel vindicated. <laughs> good eyes, Rich. Good eyes. Um, anyway, let's do the news. I suppose so, we better do that, hadn't we? Yes. Yes. Yep. So, uh, something big that came up in the past few weeks that related to the local car industry was that Goodyear Malaysia, they were in this dispute with their foreign workers where late May, 250 migrant workers at the Shalom factory alleged that in 2019 and 2020, they were being mistreated with their passport confiscations and threats and left unpaid without their salary, overtime and bonuses. And this is not something that we have not heard of, right? Right. Together, they're claiming a total of 5 million ringgit in shift allowances, annual bonuses, pay increases, all of which were apparently made to the local staff of Goodyear who were represented by a labor union. So I guess the migrants don't have a a labor union that fights for them as well. So Goodyear then argued that the migrant workers didn't have legal standing, but it was dismissed by industrial court president Rasida Chik, who ordered Goodyear to pay 109 of his workers their wages. I mean, it's clearly not the whole thing that they were fighting for, right? Their workers' lawyer, Chandra Sagaran Rajendran, uh, said that this is just the tip of the iceberg and will look to pursue other points in the collective agreement that includes overtime and other allowances and obviously stuff like passport confiscations and the threats that they've been receiving. Mm. It's quite positive, um, the fact that, you know, they got the ruling uh, in a sense where it provides precedence to other cases of migrant worker exploitation in Malaysia. But, uh, you know, without going too far into that topic, mm. um, I feel like in some way it's due to the story being picked up by Reuters first and then Goodyear's, you know, being a global brand, they're being based in Malaysia, that mm. the ruling has come to this conclusion. It's not the first local company that we have seen uh, get drawn over the coals uh, for their treatment of of migrant workers in their factory, Uh, specifically when it comes to being involved with the rubber industry one way or another. And, And I think you're absolutely right in saying that if it perhaps hadn't been reported by an international part 
of the press, we might not have seen this moving as quickly as we have done. We must give credit to the lawyer who acted for them also. Yeah. You know, he yeah. may, maybe he pulled a rabbit out of his head or whatever. I know a lot of lawyers who have fought cases like this and they've always lost yeah. simply because it's migrant workers. And you know, it's, it's not fair. No, it isn't. But anyway, that's good news. Yes. That is good news. Um, what's not so good news is that in the first eight months of 2019, before the pandemic, apparently over 300,000 Malaysians were declared bankrupt. Malaysians, we know this uh, for a fact that we're forced to take huge loans to finance our houses and a lot of other things. And of course, this being a car show, our cars, which are unnecessarily expensive. Wait, why, why do Malaysians go bankrupt because of their cars? Well, it's very easy. Now, for example, let's take... Don't take both of you an example because both of you bought second-hand cars. But if you buy a brand new car mm. just before the pandemic or at the touch of the pandemic, for example, and everything is going fine for the first few months, then you lose your job and then you can't pay for your car and then you need to go for interviews and you need to use your car and you've gotten used to a certain kind of lifestyle or maybe at your age you say to yourself, oh, how can I be taking public transport? I've been driving myself for the last 20 years and then suddenly you can't even pay petrol for your car and then what happens? Your car gets taken away yep. and then you're, you get sued and then, you know, you're, you're bankrupt, you know, things like that. But we did this article not to highlight the fact that there are 300,000 Malaysians going bankrupt because of COVID. I think there's more coming. It's a very sad situation. For sure. But we did this article because over the years, we have seen a lot of Malaysians and I'm not talking about rich Malaysians. I'm talking about lower middle class some middle class also, and then, of course, the poor. Imagine now you're a poor person earning less than 3,000 ringgit. You've got a family of five. You've been riding a motorcycle. And then suddenly you say, I need a car. I need a van. I need something because I need to take my whole family. And then when it rains, we can't go anywhere. We can't go to worship or we can't go to, to visit someone or whatever. Or we can't even take a chuti chuti Malaysia holiday because that's all we can afford. So mm. you go and buy a second-hand car. Mm. And people in this demographic, they're not looking through the internet or magazines or newspapers to get reviews or, or understanding of what a car is about. They go to a used car dealer uh, in some small town or s some you know, uh, shady part of town and they get a car for, say, 20,000 ringgit. It's their life savings. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. And this car turns out to be a real lemon. But they don't know. They just see shiny metal. You know, The dealer has put all the, the tire black on it, cleaned the car up put a few uh, gold stars on it and they think, okay, I've got myself a brand new car with an aircon. Three months down the road, the aircon compressor goes, no spare part. Four months down the line, the gearbox goes, there's no spare part. I'm talking about lemon cars which have come into our country and made people worse off simply because there's no backup, there's no service, there's no spare parts. Mm. These cars are basically failure products from other parts of the world. Yeah, And I'm going to start with the very famous car the Peugeot 207. Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Came into Malaysia, big smash, grab. And then what happened? Today, you don't see them on the road. You don't even see them in workshops. You don't even see them in junkyards. Because why? They are rotting inside people's houses. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> yes. Then let's go down and look at the Proton Tiara. I think we talked about it some years ago. Yep. Which was actually a, a, a Citron AX failure. I think you know this car very well, Richard. Yes, I do. <laughs> okay. It was a car that was dead on arrival, wasn't it? Yes. It was a failure in Europe. It was a failure in France, in its home country. Even in UK, they used to laugh at it because 
the wheel only had three nuts. <laughs> Instead of a minimum four nuts, it had three nuts because they wanted to make it as cheap as possible. The rear hatch was made out of plastic. Oh, my word. Okay? The car had no safety features, but Proton took it, rebadged it. Now, these are cars which someone somewhere made a decision to say, I'm going to get this doofus product. I'm going to use the word doofus, I'm sorry. Bring it to Malaysians because a lot of them are ill-informed. And I will actually use the word, cheat them into buying these cars, thinking they're getting a good deal. Mm. And what happens? Today, where are these Proton Tiaras? Mm. Where's the Proton Juara? Another big mistake, which a lot of Malaysians lost their shirt with it, you know? Yep. What happened to the Proton Perdana V6? Lovely car, but broke all the time. Exactly. What happened? It was always a gearbox issue. Because why? <laughs> it was not supposed to be paired with a V6 gearbox. Yep. But they wanted to do it. And then they didn't have the spare parts. And it was failing all the time. There was overheating, gearbox failure. I know someone who changed the gearbox three times in eight years. My brain is still going, why did they only put three nuts on the wheel? <laughs> <laughs> because they could only get three nuts to develop the car. <laughs> it, it's, that's just mind-boggling, you know? Yes. I mean, there's cutting corners and there's saving costs. And then there's that. Yes. So, you, know? you see, there, there are a lot of products like this that came into our market. At the time, it was all shiny and beautiful. The people who bought it were not well informed, were buying it with their hard-earned money. You know, this mm. were middle class and lower middle class people, some even poor people. And then when they couldn't take the car anymore, they dumped it with used car dealers who just took it for a song. So they lost, they had to top up their loan. And then you get the poor person coming and seeing the shiny car and saying, oh, finally, I can afford this car. Not knowing all the historical problems... And then it ends up underneath their kampong house or behind their house in the drain, rotting away because why? They can't sell it. They can't fix it. They can't get it started. Yep. So this, this is the problem with a lot of companies in Malaysia bringing rubbish. I will use the word rubbish and cheating people, you know? Yeah. So this has made a lot of Malaysians bankrupt. So now we come back to the, my reason for doing this article. Talking about this, we have to stop allowing this kind of cars to come into the country. Do you think that will happen? Well, if enough people listen to our show and understand what we're trying to do, we're not just trying to promote ourselves as being you know, authorities on, on vehicles, but also trying to inform people what to do and what not to do. Yeah. You lined out some tips, right? Six tips to avoid being bankrupted by your car. Right. <laughs> <laughs> One, don't buy a... Don't buy a car without doing some research, mm -hmm. you know? Ask around. You don't have to go online to do the research. You can ask around. Go to a mechanic and ask him, hey, boss, this car good or not, you know? Don't go to the mechanic who's selling the car, you know? Mm. Okay? Number two, make a budget, decide on that budget, and then see whether you can actually afford to buy this car and maintain it for the next one year. You don't know what's going to happen with your job, especially now in this climate. Mm. If possible, I mean, I'm not talking to the rich person out here. I'm talking to the middle class person. Avoid exotic cars. When I say exotic cars, I'm not talking about Ferrari and Porsche and Lamborghini. Exotic can be something very unusual, like say Alpha 159. It's right. a great car, but... Maintenance is not the most favorable, you know? Yeah. A Fiat Tempra. Anything yeah. Italian, basically. <laughs> I, I do want to say that. A, 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 avoid a 10-year-old BMW 5 Series, you know? Mm. I'm not going to mention 3 or 6 Series. Mm. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> okay. The next thing is, always ask around, talk to people. If you don't know anyone, you know, you have to get some kind of advice to which mechanic to go to, which is the right mechanic to go to. You know, you can contact us at, at DSF. We will definitely, I've, I've helped a lot of people push them into the right direction with, when it comes to mechanics. Because mm. I myself, in my early years, I've been taken by a few mechanics. If you're buying a brand new car, 
Look at the warranty. I mean, some car companies say, oh, we give you eight-year warranty, we give you nine-year warranty. But read the fine print. Mm. You know, if you can't read or you don't have your glasses, give it to someone who can read it. Give it to a son, daughter, uh, neighbor, friend, wife, husband, whoever, brother, sister. Read and make sure your warranty because the average warranty is five years. Mm-hmm. Anything above that, warning bells. Mm. And especially these days with everything becoming like electrified, right? Yes, and then when it comes to plug-in hybrids, be very careful. Once even you have a warranty, doesn't mean your car is going to be drivable every day. You know what I mean? Mm. So many plug-in hybrids are failing out there. And then think about resale value. If you're rich, you don't worry about resale value. If you're on an expat salary, you don't have to worry about resale value. But yeah. if you're on a normal salary like Arif, you know, <laughs> you have to worry about resale value. Because at some point, you want to sell the car. You want to get some money back. Even though it's a few dollars, you don't want to be topping up your loan when you're talking about a new car or a slightly used car. Mm. And then, don't just look at equipment. You know, if, if the car salesman tells you, oh, you've got a screen in the center you can talk to. Why? Your wife is not talking to you. Your girlfriend not talking to you. Your boyfriend not talking to you. Children not talking to you. Why do you need to talk to a vehicle? Yeah. If you're really that bored, talk to your phone. The car is a means of transportation. Arif, what's your experience been like? I mean, we've joked about it quite a bit. Yeah. How much of a, a heartache has it been? And are you bankrupt yet? Honestly, no. I mean, I think I think I got lucky with the car, firstly. And then secondly, mm. I don't think I fear it mechanically. So I'll know how to fix it or I'll know how to get parts to fix it on, on the cheap and how to mend it properly. Obviously, every month, you know, you keep aside a, a part of your wages for the rainy day, right? It's all about figuring out and sorting out your finances and I guess making a list <laughs> of like all Daniel's the things done of, of <laughs> yeah of all the things that you want that you might be able to spend on and obviously like uh, Daniel said make a budget stick yeah. to it my experience recently previously I was driving an, an old 7 series right so a regular bulb was 50 bucks mm. but when I first got my 3 series it was 300 ringgit for a single projector bulb and that shocked me. And even more recently, I'm buying new tires for my 17-inch wheels. The, the quote was 2.3K for 17 inches. But if I stuck to my 18s, it'll be 2.9 thousand. Mm-hmm. It's all little stuff like that that you, know, you really, really have to list down and take into account all the things you might have to chase down through the years when you buy a used car. I'll give you a simple scenario that happened some months ago. A lady who has always driven small, compact cars, she's always changed the tires for our 180 ringgit, 190 ringgit, you know, always below 200 ringgit. Then when a brand new uh, SUV came into the market at a very good price, I'm not going to tell you which one, she said, oh, I can finally drive an SUV. Not that she needs a bigger vehicle. She's not married, no kids. She's just got a few pets. She said, oh, you know, it'll be so comfortable. I'm sitting up high and everything. Less than one year, she needed to change the tires. Now it's riding on very big wheels. As you know, all SUVs are big wheels. Mm -hmm. To change the tires... It's a minimum of 390 ringgit A tire, which is almost double of what she used to pay. Right. So she immediately went a little bit cuckoo. She called me and said, this tire shop is either cheating me or they're giving me something I don't want. I said, no, your tire has grown in size, grown in width, so you have to pay. She says, can't I use the cheapest tire? I said, if you use a really cheap tire, but you're going to compromise on handling and then wet weather and this and that. She said, no, I drive slow. I said, yeah, you can be driving slow, but wet weather is wet weather, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That is true. And all, all of these costs, believe it or not, is part of the reasons that I, I put off driving for so long. 
You know, I don't blame I, you. I don't blame you. I saw all my friends back home you know, complaining about their car on a daily basis. My dad complaining about his car on a daily basis. I'm like, why on earth would I burden myself with that cost over and over and over again? Because this is a car show, we have because, to say exactly. because we love cars. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm going I'm to end this with a very simple statement here. I have met someone who I sat down some years ago and we did an Excel sheet. Uh, one person owning a, a mid-segment car worth about 150000 against another person who does, doesn't want to own a car but is just going to use public transport because that time ride-sharing was coming up very fast, you know? Yeah. So this person said, why do I need a car? You know, I, I, I just don't need a car. I don't have to worry about parking, going here, going there and everything, you know? And we did the Excel sheet based on my vehicle, which is a mid-class vehicle, and him not having a car at all and just what kind of average money he's going to use on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. So he brought his monthly billing and he was spending between 1,006 to 1,800 ringgit a month. On ride sharing. On ride sharing. He goes aloud, he sees clients, he goes out at night, he has a drink, he comes back. Even when he wants to go nearby to buy something, he'll just take like, you know, five ringgit. It's okay, I'll just go there, buy something and come back. For him, it's so convenient. He just doesn't think about it because it's attached to his credit card and he pays end of the month. Mm. Now, take the average person who buys a $150,000 car of course, new car, you don't have to pay a lot of maintenance, but you know you still have to service the car. You've got to change aircon gas. You've got to change your tires, insurance, road tax, parking, petrol, toll, okay? Mm. You put all that together. The first three years is below 1,500 ringgit because why the car is relatively new. Mm. The next three years, you're hitting almost 3,000 ringgit a month. Wow. Now, when you drive a $150,000 car, you're not driving anything very stylish, right? Mm. It's average, plenty of it around. But you're sitting in traffic jam, you can't do much. You're always looking for a parking spot. You know, you're always worrying about, oh, the traffic there, the traffic here, you know, all the kind of things. For mm. him, ease of mind, no worries, nothing. I just pay my bill at the end of the month and I just keep moving along. Mm-hmm. So there's two schools of thought here. Some people want to have a car like me. I can't do ride sharing. I must have my own car. I don't mind going to the traffic. I don't mind looking for parking. I don't mind paying for everything. But I want my own car. But the next generation are looking at it differently. For sure. That's weird though, Daniel, because we're kind of in the same generation, aren't we? (laughs) (laughs) And I kind of sit on the fence on this topic, but I think that's something we'll have to come back to at another point. (laughs) But I think... You are evolving. You know? I'm evolving. That's that's You're probably evolving. what it is. Yes, yeah. yes. I'm not evolving. Right, right. Shall we take a break, Jen? Yes, yes, yes. yes okay, we're going to take a break here on Cruise Control. When we come back, we're going to be looking at some car launches at Jaguar and some Subarus and some other stuff. Don't go anywhere. This is Cruise Control, the car show here on BFM 89.9. Because freedom matters. BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, the business station. This is Cruise Control. I'm Rich Bradbury. This is The Car Show. I've got Daniel Fernandez from dsf.my. Say hello, Daniel. Hello, Richard. Hello, Arif. And hello, listeners. And the bankrupt, Arif Ruse, the man with the news. Say hello, (laughs) Arif. Hello, everybody. Just about bankrupt, yeah. <laughs> Just about bankrupt. Uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about, rewind and have a listen back to the beginning of the show. We've been talking about how some people spend an awful lot of money on their cars and could end up bankrupt because of it. But we're going to talk about some car launches now. So if you've got money to spend, now's the time to listen. Mm. 
if you've got money to spend, apparently the best retailer to buy a Jaguar Land Rover in the world is Jaguar Land Rover Malaysia. Yes, which is under Sunday really? Group. In the world? In the world. So you got to call your friends back home, Richard. Well, well <laughs> color me impressed. And ask them, why isn't the UK the best in the world? I, I'm, I'm never going to get away with this, am I? This is <laughs> always going to be something. Of course. Well, apparently they scored the highest on marketing, sales, customer service, staff training, presentation, all the important metrics. So well done, Malaysia. Well yeah. done, well done, well done. Uh, another big bit of a quick announcement is that General Motors, uh, the people who made the Corvette, they are starting to sell the Corvette CA in Japan for 445,000 ringgit, which is quite cheap considering it's a proper American supercar with a proper American V8 with an estimated tax of 16,000 ringgit a year. Cool, blimey. If you've got a lot of money to spend and this definitely won't bankrupt you, it's coming soon to an AP holder near you. Isn't it 6.2 litres or something as well? Yeah. When I was reading the specs of this car, I was thinking to myself, this is a proper V8. That's number one. Mm. It, it looks awesome, you know? Mm. Any angle for me, you know, the long nose, the high back, the interior, everything looks awesome. It sounds fantastic. You can go to YouTube and check the, the, the exhaust sound out, the revving and everything else. It's a proper muscle car. And yeah. yet, it costs one quarter of an Aston Martin, one quarter of a Ferrari, and about half the price of a Porsche. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and don't forget, this is the first ever mid-engine Corvette. So mm. it's not like a sports car with an engine in front. This is, you know, something that resembles a supercar. Yes. It's a beautiful looking thing. It is gorgeous. And you know, right-hand drive finally. So they're listening to what Ford did with the Mustang and get a right-hand drive. I'm, I'm sure back in UK, you see so many of these Ford Mustangs running around. So Japan is the first market. Next will be UK. And if Japan and UK are taking these cars, obviously AP holders are going to bring it to Malaysia very soon. I would love a Mustang. I really would. But that's just me staring off into the distance and just, you know. <laughs> Sipping your <laughs> cup of tea. Richard, I'm at the same point. I mean, you want a Mustang, I want a vet. We just want American muscle cars. Yes, right? yes, absolutely. That one means when you're in the same age group. Mm -mm. <laughs> Moving on then, what else yes, have we got? We've got a bunch of cars for your age groups. <laughs> hey! <laughs> One of them is a Subaru Forester, 2022 edition, and it's the fifth generation, and right. it finally gets a facelift. Uh, but what's being shown is the Japanese domestic market model, which means that the ASEAN model will arrive soon, right, Daniel? Yes, and the good news is not just the facelift. The facelift is not the important factor. The most important factor is getting a 1.8 turbocharged engine with 300 newton meters of torque. That's a lot. So oh, yeah. that's basically Subaru saying, remember the first and second generation Foresters which had massive amount of power and then they went to normal aspirated cars which were functional but not as exciting as the old ones. And yeah. now they've brought back the x one with this turbocharger. Because the, the, the first few, the first two Foresters had uh, WRX engines. Correct. The era was good actually because Mitsubishi had the Airtrack Turbo which had yes. a two-liter Lancer Evo engine in it and it's just exciting stuff. But exactly. uh, thoughts on the looks, guys? Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, it, it, it's an improvement. Uh, it maintains the rough and tough look. Um, this JDM version gets new face, lights, bumpers, a very posh interior with new materials, and a bunch of new safety bits, which adds to Subaru's long list of safety features. The question is, like you said, you know, the 1.8 liter turbo is going to probably make it to the ASEAN model, uh, but is the rest of the design 
I think you're looking at 90% of the car. If anything, there might be a slight different front bumper, that's it. But I think the headland treatment, the grill and everything else is spot on. Well, that's quite an interesting car to look forward to, I guess, at the end of the year. Anyway, our next car, the Lexus NX. It's a car that we have definitely not seen on the roads in Malaysia, at least for me. There's so many on the road. What? It's been selling like hotcakes. It was sold out in April this year. It was sold out in Malaysia. And the grey importers have brought in thousands. Arif, where have you been? I've clearly been at home and, you know, respecting the rules. No, I think the, the, problem, <laughs> the problem with you is you only look at German SUVs. You don't look at Japanese SUVs. Ah. The Lexus NX, really, the old one at least, looked like the small one, the UX. That's, that's yes, you're right. It's, In some it's, way. Yes, yes. But the UX is a newer model. The NX was an yeah. older model. I just can't tell them apart, I guess. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> this is a brand new NX, finally, after five years. It's still a mid-segment SUV, so it competes with the Mercedes GLA, the Volvo XC40, the BMW X2, X3. Price-wise, it's going to be a bit tough because Lexus is fully imported. The rest are all local assembled. Mm -hmm. So don't expect a very favorable price. But like I said before, in April, the last model was already sold out in Malaysia. So this will sell well because people love their Lexus. I kind of like the way this looks. You see, I was going to go the opposite way. Really? Yeah, I, I think that grill's a bit too much. I think you said the same about the BMW new grill also. I, I might have done. <laughs> so you're in my age group, my generation, we don't like big grills. It's, this one's just a little bit too big. Yeah, I like think. a cheese grater. Eh? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I think it, I think it looks aggressive enough. You I mean, it, of course, the grill may be a bit too big, but what car doesn't have a big grill these days, right? That's true, I suppose. Mm. Yeah. Even the Forester that we just spoke about Huge has grill, quite yes. a big grill. In fact, that one looks like he's dug his nose so much that it's joined into one. But, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but one thing I like about this new NX design is that it looks aggressive. Uh, apart from the big grill, it's, it's very, very stylish. The rear end looks beautifully designed. And it's, especially if you look in the interior, it kind of reminds me of Jaguar in that sense, where it's very stylish, very premium, but it's not complicated or technologically over the moon. True. Mm. If it costs about three fifty, four hundred thousand, if I ever, ever had the money, I'd get this over the Jag. Yeah. They'll have two petrols and two hybrids. The two petrols, 2.4 litre turbo up to 275 horsepower. And the two hybrids, it gets the naturally aspirated 2.5 litre with two electric motors. The thing about these two hybrids is you can get the regular Toyota hybrid, which is not a plug-in, which it will be called the 350H. Or you can get the 450H plus, which is a plug-in hybrid with 58 kilometers of range. Hopefully that wasn't too confusing. Kind of got it. Anyway. Yes, Land Cruisers. This uh, is the very definition of the ultimate off-road luxury SUV. Exactly. And, you know, if you before they come to Malaysia, if you want to have a look at this, just keep watching any news channel. You'll definitely see it in some part of the world <laughs> being used by UN, NATO, and, you know, whoever else in a war zone or in a conflict zone. Because every time I put on a news channel, if there's anything going on bad around the world, you'll see a Land Cruiser in the background. But there's a reason for that. They're hardy. They're hardy. They never fail. Mm. They trusted that formula. You know, hardy, never fail, ultra reliable, go anywhere, and soft plush materials everywhere in the interior, right? That's the entire recipe of a Land Cruiser. Correct. And the one that we've seen recently is called the 200 Series. It was introduced in 2007. It's not, I guess, the epitome of the Land Cruiser because the Land Cruiser was way more popular back in the 80s and 90s, weren't they? 
So this 200 series was kind of a soft luxury version for the bosses of commodity companies, mm. I guess. Yeah, you know, they have to go into the jungle or live far out in the countryside where nobody can disturb them. Fast moving consumer goods, you might say. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's 14 years old, that design is well due for refresh. And honestly, I had the chance to drive one of my friend's Land Cruisers a V8 one, and it really drives like a truck. Well, I've, I've driven a few in Sabah and Sarawak. And, you know, they're not dynamically great, but they're comfortable. The seats are mm. soft. They're comfortable. You've got great view all around. It's huge. Mm. Parking it is a real pain in the butt, but you can just ride any curb or cross any bridge if you want. And the thing with this, it can just go anytime, anywhere, you know? Yeah. Some of the guys I know who own this, they don't even service it on time. They don't even change parts on time they just keep driving it until it's about to you know seize on them and still it does not seize up mm. and the best part is the the Land Cruiser always looks like you know it, it will get through a lot of abuse yes now that you guys have seen the pictures of this new one does it maintain that image for you guys is it still rough and tough in your in your eyes I think so yeah Yep, I agree. It still looks rough and tough. I, I just don't like that that new front look with those LED daytime running lights. It makes uh-huh. it look too modern, that's all. I like that really iconic traditional look. You know? What, two round headlights? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> iconic, right? Two round headlights. Mm-hmm. You know, speaking about the front, they, it does come with the return of the big Toyota scripture at the yes. front. Just in case so, you didn't know what was uh, about to hit you. Or in case you didn't know what's tailgating you and about to... Climb over you. Yes, climb over you, basically. The interior design is very much the same. Um, same recipe, you know, it's sturdy, very square. But even through the pictures, you can sense it's wrapped in soft leather. So it's going to be quite plush to sit in and around. Yes. And I guess, you know, like I said just now, the Land Cruiser really drives like a truck. But this new one apparently should drive like a more modern SUV. So it has all the fancy tech and safety. Bunch of touchscreens, uh, Toyota Safety Sense 2.0, even cameras under the car to show if you can climb that rock face if you mm, needed to. Right. Inside the car, of course, uh, they've got a new chassis, the new Toyota NGA F platform, which is designed for trucks and cars like this, basically. And it's stiffer, 200 kilograms lighter than the old car, lower center of gravity, so it won't feel like it will tip over at the side of a corner. Um, It's got a bunch of new suspension, something called Electronic Kinetic Dynamic Suspension System, which basically sounds like they just threw a thesaurus at you, right? Um, (laughs) What it essentially is, is electronically controlled stabilizers, and it keeps the body level on rough terrain, so no more jiggling about if you're going through the jungle, which is very impressive. Stuff that you would have seen on the Range Rover a couple of years ago, though. Mm. In terms of the new engines, what people loved about the Land Cruiser at one time was their V8 engine. You know, it was the big Toyota, powerful, 300 horsepower, unbreakable V8 engine. And it came with a four-speed automatic that would never break. But weirdly, this time, because it's 2021 and it's the new era of cars, it now gets a 10-speed automatic and the V8 is gone. It's replaced by a 3.5-litre twin-turbo V6 with up to 415 horsepower. And you can also get a diesel version of that, 3.3-litre V6 with up to 700 newton meters of torque, which is Ferrari-esque. But markets like us, smaller markets, may get a smaller 4-litre V6 with 270 horsepower. Yeah, for Malaysia, I think officially... I don't think this will come in officially. I don't it'll think come through grey Yeah, it'll come in through grey importers. And I think the first place to get it, of course, will be Sabah and Sarawak because they love their Land Cruisers there. You know, they call them Ninja Turtles. And <laughs> I think it'll do very well there because they don't have to worry about Rotex there also because they have lower Rotex there. And there are so many Land Cruisers there that are 
they are now being sold online. If you go to classifieds, um, you can find older Land Cruisers, you know, 15, 20 years old one, 4.2 liter manual, you know, the old Land Cruiser 80 going as cheap as 20, 30,000 ringgit. So these mm. people will need the brand new Land Cruiser and they have the money for it, you know? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I think this will do very well through grey importers. Officially, no, I, I I don't think Toyota Malaysia is going to bring it in because it'll just be too expensive because they never brought it in new anyway. But they did officially introduce the Toyota Alphard, didn't they? The Alphard and the Velfire, but you know, still people are buying more grey units than anything else. On that note, let's take a short break. We'll be right back after these messages with our car review, the Toyota Fortuna 2.7 SRZ. The Land Cruiser's little brother here on Cruise Control on BFM 89.9. Bombing frustrated minds. BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, this is Cruise Control, the car show here on BFM. My name is Arif Roos, in place of Richard Bradbury, who had to go, but in the studio with me, as usual, is Mr. Daniel Fernandez of DSF.my. Hello, and uh, welcome back to our show. So, if you missed any part of the show just now, um, you can find it on our website, bfm.my. You can listen to the podcast over on Spotify or any podcast apps. And you might want to listen to it because we spoke a lot about Goodyear Malaysia losing the dispute against foreign workers, Malaysians being bankrupted by cars, as well as a few car launches that come in the form of the Subaru Forester, the new Lexus NX, and of course, the Land Cruiser. In this part, however, we will be discussing the Land Cruiser's little brother. Yes, this probably costs about one quarter of what the Land Cruiser will cost when it comes here. This is the new Toyota Fortuna 2.7 SRZ 4x4. Now, we took it out for test drive just before the recent lockdown. And this is what we thought about the vehicle. Number one, looks. I love the looks of this new Fortuna. It's very sleek. Yeah, it's very modern. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it looks very purposeful because it's got very sharp, chiseled edges, you know. It sits very high off the ground. It's sitting high up just like the Hilux. Mm -hmm. And that's because it shares the same platform. It shares a lot of the same engineering underneath, except this has got a plush interior. You know, it's, it's not exactly just the Hilux with the boot. Yes. So, like what Ford Ranger did with the uh, Everest, Toyota has been doing this with the Fortuna. Of course, the Fortuna has the lion's share of the segment in terms of sales. You hardly see the Everest selling any units at all because it's 230,000 plus, whereas this is much cheaper. I'll share the price in a little while. Then you have the Isuzu MUX. Mm -hmm. Now, the Isuzu MUX, of course, very good engine, very good drivetrain, but it's still very, very... Farmer Joe type, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's true. It, it's it's too rough and ready. It doesn't have that little bit of comfort that people want in this segment. So the MUX sadly did not do as well as it was supposed to do. Before I end, let me just explain this. There is a new MUX coming, which will be sitting on the same platform and cabin of the current brand new DMAX, which is selling like hotcakes everywhere around the world has been launched. And that's the one that we spoke about a few weeks ago, right? What we said about it was that it was really plush, more like an SUV than a truck, right? Correct. So if the MUX comes in, the new MUX comes in, Toyota is going to have a problem shifting as many Fortunas as they currently do. So we don't know when that MUX is coming. So meanwhile, here's the Fortuna. We take it out for test drive. The first thing we realize is how high it is. So 
I'm not a very tall person. I'm just under six feet, way under mm. six feet. So <laughs> getting in, getting out, you got to climb up to it. And climbing up to it is just like climbing up to a Range Rover. I'm not saying it's on the same class as a Range Rover, but I'm talking about the height. So for some people, they might say, oh, it's you know, difficult to get up. But these vehicles are built on big frames that are built for off-road commuting. So this vehicle is ready to go off-road. And I'm talking about serious off-road. I'm not talking about just climbing a curb or trying to go into the kampong house. You know what I mean? Not to the back of Tesco. Yes. I'm talking about serious <laughs> off-roading, serious mud plugging. So this vehicle has been designed for that. So it's high. But once you get in, the interior is so much nicer than the older one. I agree. Soft touch panels, color-coded interior, the dashboard, everything looks very modern, very uplifting. It is a proper SUV interior. Then you get into the back row. I want to mention the back row because the middle row, a lot of people say, oh, you know, it's nice, it's comfortable, but has it got the leg room for three people? This one has because the center tunnel is very low. Yep. When you have a bench seat at the back, the most important thing is the center row. If you have a high center tunnel, then the person sitting in the center row has to put their legs more to the left, more to the right, which means they're not going to be comfortable. Yep. But when you have a very low center tunnel, it becomes very comfortable for the middle row passenger. So this has got that done very well. So Toyota did a good job with that. Mm -hmm. Then you talk about the third row. Now the third row, for me, no lah. I'm too old to get into the third row. For you, you're young, you're flexible, could be easy. Richard will never have a chance to get into the third row because of his height. So it's recommended for uh, smaller adults or children? Smaller adults or kids, no issue. You, because there's aircon vents, you've got cup holders, it's quite comfortable if you're small size. Yeah, yeah. And that's what third row seats are for anyway. So you get into this car, you start it, it's got push button start, it fires up. Cabin insulation is very, very good. Yep. You don't hear much of the engine. As you move along, you, you you accelerate. You don't hear much of the engine. It's very quiet. We went up to above 110 kilometers, slightly above. We don't want to get a summons or a ticket. <laughs> and there was no wind noise. So they've done well with the bit quality. The ride and handling is not... Don't expect a sporty ride and handling. This is, after all, a very hardy SUV. So if you're going to take a fast corner, yes, the boat feeling is there, you know? Yep. But it's not as bad as the old one. Because it's much more secure. It's a, it's a new platform. It's very nice. Then you talk about cabin amenities. You know, air conditioning is super. Toyota, come on. Sound system, very good. For what you pay for, very good. And then consumption. It's what you pay for, you know. You yeah. must understand, you're, it's a 2.7 four-cylinder engine. Don't expect much. It's got 166 PS, which is pretty decent. It's got 245 Newton meters of torque, which is more than enough, even if you have a full load in, like we tried. Mm -hmm. Six-speed automatic is almost unbreakable. Toyota gearbox. The price is hundred and seventy-two thousand ringgit. The only problem is Toyota also has the Rav Four, which is a car-based SUV for two hundred and thirty thousand ringgit. That's an extra MyV. Yes. Historically, the Fortuner has always been, you know, the rough and tough, right? Yeah. I guess this time they've made it a bit more. Um, Livable in city, better driving, quieter, all that stuff. And then, and then you know, the cabin amenities. But the thing is, you see, the moment you have this at this price, it gives a really hard time for the RAV4 to be sold. Yeah, which was what I was getting to, I guess. Yes. I mean, this is urban enough. How yes. urban can the RAV4 be for yes. 60,000 more, right? <laughs> so if I were to buy this, to be honest, I was looking at it and saying, you know, this is a great family SUV, the price is right, everything else. But 
I don't want to be. I don't need to be so high. So I would actually think about lowering it. You know, of course, it's against the warranty. Putting in slightly bigger wheels so you don't have that big gap between the wheel arches. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it'll look quite nice if it's lowered and a bit hunkered down because it's got that flat fenders. Yeah. But then again, if you wanted that, you could be looking at some other, you know, other brands' offerings, right? True. So we have to wait and see what happens with the MUX when it comes in. The price is mm. going to be almost the same. And then there's rumor that Ford will be local assembling the Everest in Malaysia. If that happens, the price will be below 200, which will also make it very compatible to this Fortuner. The, the, the Fortuner comes with a 2.7-litre engine, right? Yes. Of course, it's built to be... Uh, Super reliable and super de- dependable, but yes. you know the the road tax for the price compared to I guess if you buy a Rav Four, it's got a smaller engine, it might make up the difference in a in a in a in five years. Or well, something the like road that. tax is thousand over ringgit a year. That's a very small difference because then you must understand the insurance on a hundred seventy thousand dollar vehicle is a lot less than the insurance the yearly insurance on a two hundred thirty thousand dollar vehicle. So the road tax is not a big issue. Fuel consumption also not a big issue. The difference is very small. It's just that the RAV4 is much more comfortable, much more plush. And of course, it's on a car platform. So it's lower, it's wider, you know, things like that. And then if you put another 20,000 more at 250,000, you got the Toyota Harrier, Mm-mm. which is a, it's almost a Lexus, you know. Yep. It's superbly built. It's beautiful to look at. It's well equipped and all that. But at 170,000, the person buying a Fortuna is not looking at the RAV4 or the Harrier because he is probably someone with a budget of 150 and 160. He's stretching it to go to 170. You get what I mean? Or not? Yeah. Somebody probably looking at a current Forester, I guess. Could be a Forester. Could be someone looking at a CRV. Could be also someone looking at a current Honda Accord or Toyota Camry and mm. thinking, you know, for this price, I'm getting more metal. I'm getting a third row seat. And then it's got the cabin of an SUV. You know, it's not that bad after all, you know? Yeah. And then, you know, everybody likes high vehicles. As much as possible, everyone wants to sit as high as possible. But they don't want to drive a truck. And you said this doesn't really drive like a truck, right? It doesn't. It, it no longer drives like a truck. It's actually very, very, very comfortable in city commuting. Because why? You're not speeding along or you're not taking fast corners. You're just moving in traffic. So, um, final word on this Toyota Fortuner. Is it, does it still retain, you know, the original Fortuner charm? Is it still... No, no. It's got nothing of the old Fortuner. This, this is all new. They've moved the goalposts up. I mean, in terms of safety features, it's got Toyota Safety Sense, which is a whole bunch of safety features you find in, in their passenger car division. Um, you know, it's, it's got airbags all around. It's got lane departure. It's, it's got everything that a, that a Toyota Camry has and more. Can it still be called the Land Cruiser's little brother? Yes, you can call it the Land Cruiser's little brother because it'll be able to do what the Land Cruiser can do in certain areas. Well, there you have it. That was the review of the Toyota Fortunate 2.7 SRZ 4x4. And the SRZ 4x4 is their highest trim level, I guess. Yes, correct. And that goes for about 172,000 ringgit. If you're, if, if you're looking for a pickup truck and you need a third row seat, this is the best compromise. There you have it. If you've missed any part of this show, obviously, as mentioned before, you can head on to our website to listen to the podcast. You can head on to Spotify or any podcast app that you have uh, to listen to this show. 
We had a quite interesting and long show this week where we spoke about Goodyear, Malaysia losing their dispute against foreign workers, being bankrupted by cars, as well as a few new car launches, Subaru Forester, Lexus NX and the new Toyota Land Cruiser. Obviously, just now you heard Daniel's review of the brand new Toyota Fortuner 2.7 SRZ. My name is Arav Roos. And I'm Daniel Fernandez from DSF.M1. We'll see you same time, same place, BFM 89.9. for listening to this podcast to find more great interviews go to bfm.my or find us on itunes bfm 89.9 the business station